My name is Bernie Seifert. I'm a social worker, and I work um, here at the Centers for Health and Aging part-time. I also work at uh, NAMI New Hampshire. Has any of you ever heard of NAMI New Hampshire? Okay. NAMI New Hampshire is, stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, and I what I do there is a coordinator of older adult programming, and I go around the state talking to family members and others, uh, caregivers of older adults. Um, so today, we're, the program we're going to talk about is understanding dementia. And uh, this is really for anybody, so everybody is welcome. Um, some folks asked if it's okay, you know, do you have to be a family member or not? You don't. You, you're all welcome to be here. I am going to distribute, um, you could just pass these around. And these are simply copies of the slides that we have. And then pass this down. That's an evaluation to fill out at the end of the program. So I just want to kind of get a sense of who's here. You don't have to say your name if you don't want to, um, but tell me a little bit about why, you, why you're here, just so that we have a sense of who's in the room. Um, I'm Pam Vernon, and I live in Queechee. Um, I'm here primarily because <clears throat> I've actually been in Florida all winter, uh, and my mother's in a retirement community there. And she's, she's experiencing a lot of memory loss. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the definition of dementia is, but I thought okay. I would just well, you're in the right place. learn <laughs> and see you know, what kinds of things might be helpful for right. me as a companion. I mean, she's right. not really her caregiver at this point, but her companion. And the more education as a caregiver, the more education you have, the better. So yeah, no, and it's good to just yeah. kind of know what to expect and okay. that kind of stuff. And then in Queechee, we're putting together some programs to help our age community with aging. So I thought it would also be helpful. Actually, Melina is going to come and talk to us in Wonderful. July. Okay. Thanks. My name is Jody Biddle. I live in Thetford, and I'm actually pretty involved here as well. Um, I'm kind of chairing the Thetford Elder Network, which is a program where we help um, elders stay in their homes as long as they like with a lot of support and kind of services. But I think I'm here for me because I had a concussion a year ago, and I'm just wondering whether my, I mean, I'm just having the hardest time recalling names, and I uh -huh. just used to never miss a beat, so. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna learn from Thank you, you. <laughs> about yeah. what that means. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Rory Wakeman, I'm from Aetna. Uh, my mom, who was 83, has been dealing with some dementia problems. She fell two months ago and broke her neck, so she's mm -hmm. not doing too well. She's at Genesis right now. And, okay, uh, sorry to hear that. Rehabbing, so. So she's dealing with a few things. Came to find out as much as I can. Yeah. Yes. Good. Good for you. Hi. I, I'm Del, Del Mastro. And uh, I'm here because I too had a concussion, but it was about 50 years ago. And I'm not sure that's what's causing my problems today. But I'm here because I have been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. Mm -hmm. And I'd just like to learn more than, Wonderful. than, I, more than I have known already. Okay. The subject. Good. Thanks. Welcome. Yeah. Hi, Sharon Fanger from Lebanon. Um, in general, I just want to see what could be in the future for myself and my husband, and be kind of heads up good. on good for you what may or not come. May or may not. You're right. <laughs> may may not, may not. You're right. And that is that is the key. Not everybody gets dementia. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, Hi, Lee Cornell from uh, Thetford, also, and uh, my wife and I are both 80. She is. Uh, exhibiting some symptoms of dementia, memory mm -hmm. loss, and similar things. And since I'm in the position of being her caregiver, I need to know everything I can to help. Okay, her. wonderful. Okay, 
I think it's wonderful you're all here and um, you want to learn and I don't have all the answers <laughs> but I think we can um, start picking at it a little bit. So um, just this is just an exa uh, example of uh, do other uh, presentations um, and understanding dementia is only one of six different uh, topics that we get. Um, and then the, the Centers for Aging here does a lot um, of many, many different topics. So, so what we'll cover today is we're going to talk about the, there are different types of dementia. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll differentiate a little bit between no, what's normal forgetfulness, which we all experience, um, maybe depression. How, how does dementia differ from depression? Um, differ from delirium? What is delirium? You know, we're, going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then, um, why is it important to screen for dementia? Why is it important for us to know whether or not somebody has dementia? So we'll cover, we'll cover that a bit too. And then maybe some intervention, um, some tips when you're interacting with somebody who has dementia, some ways that uh, might be a little bit more successful in, in, in the interaction. So dementia is um, essentially, it's just a general term that's used um, in describing a group of symptoms. So dementia itself is not a disease or a condition. It's, a, it's just a, a group of symptoms. Um, there are many different uh, conditions or uh, diseases that have dementia as one of the, as some of the symptoms. Um, in, in general, what d dementia means is there's, there's a loss of intellectual abilities um, like a difficulty thinking, difficulty re remembering things, um, or being able to reason things, you know, following steps on that you're used to following, to, to follow directions, for instance. Um, and it also, in order to, for it to be considered dementia, it has to be severe enough that it affects your, your life. That affects whether you, you know, whether you're working or volunteering or your, inter your relationships with your family members or your friends. So it has some um, uh, effect on that. So it's a little bit more than, you know, we talked about mild, a lot of people have mild cognitive impairment and you can still function. You know, you, you kind of, uh, you know, you make yourself probably a few more notes. Um, you, you know, you're able to drive, you're able to function, you're able to be able to work. Um, but when you have dementia, um, it may, it's very difficult to do all of the other stuff. In the United States, when we, so when we talk about people who have dementia, there are different types of dementia. So one, one type of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. Now you've all heard of Alzheimer's disease. And sometimes you hear people uh, use dementia and Alzheimer's disease, interchange, they interchange the, the, uh, the, the two names. Um, about 60 to 80% of the cases of dementia in the United States is Alzheimer's disease. So most people, the majority of people who have dementia have the Alzheimer's disease type. Okay. Um, and the other, the, the second most common type of dementia is um, vascular dementia. Okay, that, so that's, um, we'll talk a little bit more about vascular dementia later, but that's more related to, you know, your, your whether or not you have blood flow to the brain, um, you know, your heart, um, so, uh, the, how you would help to prevent, I mean, you can never really prevent a condition, right? I mean, but we can do some, we can have certain lifestyles that help to prevent, and one way to help prevent vascular dementia 
is you know having whatever the lifestyle is for a healthy heart, that's the lifestyle for a healthy uh, to help prevent dementia. Mm -hmm. There are other parts. Can we ask questions? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm already confused about how the healthy heart is that blood distribution? Is it blood to the brain? I can take a minute. Okay. Welcome. Your question? I'm just interested um, if you could just help me understand a little bit more why the healthy heart. I mean, I think a healthy heart is good for anything, but is it because of blood to the brain? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, exactly. You know, the blood carries nutrition, and oxygen, um, and that's what, that's what the brain, like any other part of your body needs, the brain needs that as well. Okay. So, thanks. Okay. But that includes things like mini strokes or, yes. you know, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, welcome. You're here together. Yes. I apologize. And no problem at all. You're, uh, we're, we're we forget how slowly we move <laughs> <laughs> and think the same way. Well, we just started, and, and you're very welcome. Okay. My name is Bernie Seifert, and I'm a social worker. Um, so you're all welcome. Okay. So we just just started talking about um, what dementia is, and um, we just to sum up. What I just said, um, the most common form of dementia in the United States is Alzheimer's disease. About 60 to 80 percent of people who have dementia in the United States have the Alzheimer's disease kind. Um, there are probably 60, 70, 80 other types of dementia, um, and we're not going to cover all of them today. <laughs> and you're not going to get a test on it either. Um, we're just going to cover the basic ones, the, the most common ones. The next most common is vascular dementia. There are other diseases such as um, that include dementia as part of the symptoms. Uh, Lewy bodies, dementia of Lewy bodies, for instance, is one of them. It's often listed as DLB, dementia of Lewy bodies. Uh, Parkinson's disease, sometimes the advanced stages of Parkinson's disease includes dementia. Um, frontotemporal dementia, another common one, one of those types of frontotemporal dementia is the Pick's disease. Some of you may have heard of Pick's disease. Um, Huntington's disease. Um, Kutzfeldt-Jacob disease is what we call the mad cow disease. Have you heard of that? Yeah. That's and why that's, you can't give blood if you have that. Exactly. You cannot give blood if you have that. It is very, very, um, it can be very uh, contagious. Um, so, we, we, yeah, we need to. We what was that called? Right here. Could you keep going because I was interested in the next one over. Pugilistica, uh, okay. dementia. Okay, let me let me. Uh, okay, this is you're you're talking about this one. This slide. Yes. This slide uh, is just basically explaining that there are many. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of dementia as a as sort of like an umbrella term. The same way, you know, when you say Kleenex and you say tissue, <laughs> there are many different types of tissue, and Kleenex is one type. Um, there are many different types of dementia, and Alzheimer's disease is one type that's probably the most common. And you know how people say, well, um, give me a Kleenex instead of give me a tissue? Yeah. I mean, people will often say Alzheimer's disease um, 
you know, sometimes it's not Alzheimer's disease, the type of dementia somebody may have. Um, so, so all, all Alzheimer's disease is dementia, but not all dementia is Alzheimer's disease. Okay. <laughs> now, is there a way to actually diagnose Alzheimer's disease at this point, or some? There's, there's only, only by um, uh, eliminating other potential causes, mm -hmm. and really, technically, right now, the only way is by after somebody yeah, dies by actually right. looking, at actually the see the plaques or yeah, whatever. That's but doctors uh, or people who who diagnose um, Alzheimer's disease are 85 percent of the time they have it right um, <coughs> by you know by um, trial not trial elimination, by, by elimination experience of, I'm sure exactly um, and the other 50 percent I mean is some other type of dementia and yeah. technically I mean a lot of times the approach with someone the treatment the um, is very similar to any kind of dementia yeah. it sometimes it just helps to be able to know the differences because mm -hmm. you know what more what to expect because there are certain dementias where um, memory is the first thing. Like for instance, Alzheimer's disease, one of the first signs is, is uh, short-term memory loss. Um, short-term memory loss is, um, you know, what you, what you, recent memory. Mm -hmm. Hi. Sorry. Have no problem. Okay. Um, so, so that would be, and vascular dementia, oftentimes what you'll see going first is somebody's ability to do things in order uh, where they may still have pretty good memory and then eventually the memory goes away. And it just it depends on which part of the brain it affects. Okay. Um, so vascular dementia is the second most common, so between 10 to 20 percent of all cases of dementia in the United States are the vascular type. And then that leftover 20 to 10 percent of people um, is all kinds of other disorders. Frontotemporal uh, dementia, for instance, which includes Pick's disease, is one of them. What is that? Um, it's a type of dementia where um, there are some protein deposits in the brain, um, and it's very similar to Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease that has dementia, mm. but when you actually look at it later, the tangles look a little different. Oh, wow. Um, but one of the signs of Lewy body dementia, for instance, mm -hmm. may be um, someone. Um, they might. They may. They're more apt to hallucinate, see mm -hmm. things that aren't there, mm -hmm. than someone who has another type of dementia. They also become. It, like it's. It's not uncommon for people to complain of they lose their balance. Um, you know, they have that rigidity in their in their movement. Mm -hmm. um, so oftentimes they'll fall or lose their balance. So some, those are the types of cues you look at. Different, help different, differentiate between the, mm. the different types. Um, the someone said, "What is the pugilistic?" Uh, I know now. Boxers, okay. right? Boxers, yeah. Or, you know, a, a trauma to the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Any so questions it could be about players. it? Could be oh, well, football players. It could be Yeah. It could be. It could be um, just any, or it could be a car accident. Mm -hmm. Uh, any questions about this? Okay. I just have a little one. What's that multi-in set of an abbreviation that I don't have? A, the top and down. Multi-infarct? It's, it's, it's That's the related to the heart. That's little strokes and little, yeah. Okay. So when do they start actually detecting any one of these? Because, I mean, 
I'm not quite 50 yet, and I know I've got a little bit of memory problem. I think it's pretty, um, it's not abnormal experience. Right. A little bit of memory problem. The fact that you're wondering is a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they say that about others. If you know you have it, it's really hard, but if you don't know you have it, it's not a big deal. That's right. <laughs> or, or, you know, you know if, you, if you're questioning, then you're probably not. That's good. Hey, yeah. we're okay. <laughs> we can go now. <laughs> uh, but it is, you know, it is normal as people get older. I mean, you can only hold so much information in your brain, and when you're trying to retrieve it, you know, you have a lot more files to go through because over the years you have a lot of memories and a lot of um, information in there. Um, um, and sometimes, you know, as people get, like for instance, I know uh, through you know, uh, menopausal stuff does something to your memory a little bit. So it's, it, it is normal to have some, some loss um, where you need to like make, give, make yourself little notes or I find myself writing you know, a to-do list at the beginning of the morning when my brain is a little bit fresher um, so that I don't forget to do things during the day. And yeah. I never used to have to do that. But how do we know that's not dementia or Alzheimer's? I think that if, if it gets to the point where it, it's affecting your ability to work, mm -hmm. your ability in your relationships, ability to function on oh, a daily okay. basis, okay. then something's going on. Okay. And typically, um, dementia is not detected until there's like a little pattern or something. And then when you, whenever you ask family members of people who have dementia, you know, when did this start? And they'll say, you know what? <laughs> Started like a while ago, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't. I, I, you know, a lot of times family members will say, you know, I thought they were doing this on purpose. They were trying to get my goat, or they were trying to make me angry, um, or they were, um, you know, maybe they were drinking a little bit more than I thought they were drinking. I mean, it's, it's, I think family members try to find a reason why somebody may behave a certain way or may have lost a memory, and then eventually it's like, oh, wait a minute, something is going on here. You know, someone might get lost, or they might forget something that was not typical at all for that person to forget, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody's like, ooh, their antenna goes up, something's going on. Yeah. Okay, so it, it comes on very gradually. And that is one of the things that's a little different than um, with depression. You know, one of the people say, what's the difference between depression and dementia? And how do I know what's going on? And depression often, you know, it, it usually doesn't come on that gradually, whereas dementia is like little slides come. Mm -hmm. you know, the the, the, the uh, onset is a little bit uh, slower. Um, and definitely the cause or the, or the condition is very different than, than depression. Okay. So what, let's, what are the percentage of older people who have dementia? Now, uh, let me tell you, it's not a normal part of aging um, to have dementia, okay? So having dementia, not everybody who gets to be 100 years old develops dementia. But as you get older, and I like to explain it sort of like a step stairway, every five years you have like a 5% greater chance of developing dementia. So people, um, for instance, in, in their 70s, about 5% of the people in their 70s have dementia. <laughs> but there's also 95 that don't, okay? <laughs> and then as people get older, every five years it increases. And people in their 90s, it's close to 40% of people who live to be in their 90s develop some form of dementia. 
Um, and for everybody over the age of 70, one in seven of them experience mm -hmm. dementia. So, you know, think of it as a sort of a, as, as a, stair, as a staircase, mm -hmm. and the older you are, the greater risk or the greater chance you have of having <coughs> dementia. So why, why is that more prominent now, more prevalent, more <coughs> than it was 75 years ago? Probably people didn't live that long. <laughs> people didn't exactly. They didn't know about it. They didn't know. Oh, my grandma lived to be a good old age. Well, she probably was one of the. No, the 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 um, there are more people over the age of a hundred in the United States right now than ever. It it, it the, the people are living longer, and so we have many 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 older people compared to what we had thirty years ago. I mean, there were older people who lived to be 130 years ago. We used to eat a lot different back then, too. We used to eat yeah. differently, yes. And they didn't different know things it was in the air. They didn't know it was called dementia. Yeah, exactly. families they took know. care of their own. They always losing they were marbles, or, you know, it's like... They, they just thought it was a normal part papers. of aging rather than a condition, whereas right. not everybody who lived to be in their 90s actually has Alzheimer's or some type of yeah. dementia. We know that now. You know, 30 years ago, we just assumed everything. You know. So for a couple of reasons. One is there are many, many older people now, so there are more people that have dementia because there are more older people. Um, but not everybody who's older has dementia. Okay? That's kind of a hard concept to understand, but it, it's um, we just have a, a population now where there's a higher... Uh, uh, degree or a higher incidence of dementia because it's an older population. Can I ask a question? Yes. I'm interested when you said depression usually comes on kind of at once. I could imagine that unless it's a chemical imbalance, if it's situational at all, that that could be a gradual thing to accumulate. It could. It could. Yeah. So that means that the dementia is more gradual than depression usually. Usually. Like if somebody comes into my office and says, um, I think my father has dementia. And for the just in the last month is when he's really not no. And they tell me that some pretty severe symptoms, and they just started in the past month. You know, yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of a. It might be vascular dementia where he might have had, some, you know, strokes. strokes. Uh -huh. But the the potential of it being Alzheimer's is. It might be a combination of Alzheimer's and depression. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that is very possible. People who have dementia can also have depression. As a matter of fact, 50% of people who have Alzheimer's um, can show signs of depression. And I have to tell you this, it's important for you to know because you can do something about the depression. You know, you can't necessarily turn around the symptoms of dementia, but you can turn around the symptoms of depression. And let me tell you this story. I had um, was doing the series um, in an adult day program and this woman came in she was the caregiver of her mother her mother and father she was in her late 50s and her parents were in their 80s um, her father might have been in early 90s I don't remember but uh, he had a lot of medical conditions mom had Alzheimer's and was coming to the adult day program she was you know the primary caregiver for both of them so she was living with them and taking care of both of them when she heard the, about depression and what the symptoms are of depression, um, 
she said at the end of the, of the uh, session, you know, I think my mom has, I think my mom has depression. You know, I know she has Alzheimer's because she is confused and her memory's gone, but I think she also has depression. She's not sleeping well. She's not, her appetite is gone. Um, she's, she's not, she cries a lot. She doesn't want to come to day program in the morning. I have to kind of force her. Um, so I'm going to talk to her doctor about it. And so she brought this up to her doctor um, that Friday. She was, this was like on a Wednesday, and she brought, she brought her mom to the doctor's with a regular appointment. And uh, guess what her doc doctor said? Antidepressants. Well, first he said, no, no, your mom has Alzheimer's, right? Uh -huh. So she said, no, 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 I know she's got Alzheimer's. <laughs> but, you know, these, she's also, I live with her. I, I see her every day. And I see, you know, she's not eating like she used to. She's not sleeping well. She's, I mean, she, he li listed all of, she listed all of these symptoms of depression. And so the doctor said, hmm, you've got, maybe you've got a point there. You know your mom better. You, you live with her. Let me start her on a low dose of an antidepressant, and he did. And three weeks later, she reported that mom was sleeping better, oh, eating cool. better, and was much more uh, willing to go to adult day program. Uh, and one of the other signs, if you have somebody who has dementia, a lot of times they show, they may show signs uh, of depression because they become, you know, they might show apathy, they might not interact, they, they don't have initiative to do any, something anymore. And how, one of the ways, um, this isn't the only way, and this isn't just clinical, but I'm telling you there's one of the ways that may differentiate someone who has Alzheimer's or dementia and depression versus someone who has just dementia with no depression is you'll ask somebody, um, do you want to go to lunch? And someone with dementia might say, someone with depression will go. <laughs> so you take them to lunch, the person with dementia will be okay. <laughs> we'll eat their lunch, we'll, you know, we'll interact. Person with dementia will have a terrible time. So, um, so that's a little bit of a difference between apathy mm -hmm. and really you know, having a depressed mood and, and being okay. So that's the difference. So I would, I would encourage you if, you, if you know someone who has a dementia, if the Sean signs of, you know, you might want to make sure that they also don't also have depression. Um, it's not, treating the depression is not going to take away the dementia, but it might make it a little easier for that person and, and a little more pleasant for everybody. Okay. Um, so uh, the number of Americans with Alzheimer's disease, this was as of 2013, so I need to update this slide. But it's, we're, 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 we have more than 5 million people uh, right now. Uh, probably closer to five, more closer to closer to five and a half million people in the United States who has um, Alzheimer's disease, according to the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, by 2025, they're anticipating that there'll be over seven million people. And again, you ask why? Well, we'll have an older population. We'll have more older people. All of us will be <laughs> will be up there, right? And then by the year 2050. Um, it'll be close to 14, so it'll almost double the number of people who have Alzheimer's. And hopefully by then we will have more, uh, you know, maybe a cure for it. We don't know. We, or, or probably um, more um, interactions that we can have 
to improve the, the life for people with Alzheimer's. In New Hampshire, um, and I'm sorry, I don't have, uh, I don't think I have Vermont's numbers. Vermont is very close, you know, pretty close. But in New Hampshire in 2010, there were 22,000 people who have uh, dementia or, or Alzheimer's. And it's ex that, expe that is expected to continue to rise. So why is, is it important to diagnose early? Any thoughts, anybody? Like, why would you want to know whether or not somebody has dementia? You know what you need to do to, or to begin to accommodate it. So you need to plan ahead, learn what to do as it, as it progresses. You'll have made plans and, okay, yeah, that's a good one. Any other thoughts? Well, if there's a, a real physical cause, you can perhaps correct it. Right. So maybe it's not off, maybe it's not dementia. You want to make sure, you want to have it looked into to make sure it's not something that's reversible. Right. Good. That's a good point. Any other thoughts? Well, I don't, oh. know, I don't know how hereditary it is. I guess that's a big question because you said that you can't diagnose it until like post-illness or whatever the word is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, the Alzheimer's. Oh, I just, I don't know, I'm just interested to hear what you could do if you knew it. So I guess that's going to be the next thing. Okay, yeah. We plan ahead. The, well, educating the, ourselves. Educating. Right. The more you know, right. the more control you will have, right, over planning. and um, So control is a big thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the Jesus. sooner you know, the more control you can have. Right, so you mean like if it were me, the, mm -hmm. if the sooner I knew that I was getting it or going to have yeah. it or for my family. You mean for both your family, too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You could, make, you could make a plan on, on um, you know, this is what I'd like to happen when I start make. I'm not able to make decisions anymore about my health care. Mm -hmm. I would like so-and-so to make decisions. So like and an advanced directive. Mm -hmm. kind of advanced yeah. directives. Also, um, I would prefer to live in this type of environment versus that. Um, uh, someone, let's say you have someone in your family who has pretty much progressive dementia, and and um, you're thinking maybe in a couple years, do are, are they going to stay at home with services, or do they want to go to assisted living with services there? Um, you know, do they want to live in another state? I mean, so you can kind of plan ahead. Right. Yeah, I understand mm -hmm. that, but there isn't. I mean, my understanding is there's nothing you can do once you're diagnosed to, to change that. Is that true? I mean, right now, that's true. Right. So, but you can sometimes medication will help slow it down. Oh, well. yeah. what would that be? Okay. Well, we're going to talk. About oh, good. That's okay. okay. So let's go over why it's important. One of them, like you said, rule out a treatable condition. We want to make sure that it's not something that is a, a, a reversible condition. Um, we want to. It puts names to the to the symptom. I know, for instance, in my case, when my father was diagnosed with dementia, it's like. That's why he was having a hard time communicating with me on the phone, and that's why he got lost that time. You know, I, you know, it, it wasn't because he was drinking more than what I thought he was drinking. It's because he had dementia. Um, so, it, so it sort of makes sense once you're able to put a name to it. You realize that's it. Explains a lot of the things that you have questions about. Uh, it also um, helps make decisions for care later, advanced directives, uh, planning for the caregiver, you know, that type of thing. There's sometimes there can be some discussions in the family. 
um, depending on how your family communicates. Some people are really out there and say, and some people say, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, yes. Yeah, there, there's a legal and financial dimension there that you should think about as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. If you're signing a will, you're testifying that you're still of sound mind and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you want to put this off, but but don't do it. Mm -hmm. You don't, don't want to put it off. off. Don't exactly. Put it off. You don't put it off um, because it, if it can progress, people with dementia, early early stages of dementia, can sign things, can drive, can make decisions. Um, but it gets to the point at some point where um, legally you can't, you know, there's a fine line there. Um, and I will challenge too, uh, for people when you when you have someone in your family who has dementia, it no matter how advanced it is, it doesn't mean that they cannot continue to be a part of decision making. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've got to you've got to include them. And I'll I'll give you a personal story. Makes it tough. I'll give you, it does make it it's, tough. That's work. It does make it tough. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, um, I think I shared with you, my father has does have uh, a form of dementia. Uh, but I didn't know this <laughs> a few years ago. He got very lost, and, um, and eventually he got a, a medical condition, um, pneumonia, where he was admitted to the hospital. We didn't know if he was going to make it um, through the hospitalization. Um, <coughs> you know, he was very, very, very sick. He started getting better, and then we needed to look for a nursing home for him um, because he really he couldn't even walk at that point. Uh, he hadn't talked in two weeks. We were unable to communicate. Um, so I had done all this research. This is in another state. I had done all this research on which nursing home would be better. Blah, blah. I mean, I'm a social worker, right? So you did all my homework, came up with a list, and decide, you know, decided on the top nursing home. And we are standing at my father's bedside with the doctor and the social worker. And I said, you know, this is, this is the nursing home we'll be going to. He was going to be discharged then. Uh, later that day. My father, who hadn't said anything in two weeks, lifted his head up from a t pillow and said, Veterans Home. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dad, that's not on my list. <laughs> but it was very important for him to go to a facility that um, acknowledged something Veterans something to him. Yeah. It was very, very important. So I said to the social worker and the doctor, we gotta go to the veterans home. And they said, he's gotta go today. And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> you know, we, we really skedaddled and within 24 hours we were able to get him into the veterans home. And I have to say that that was probably, you know, sometimes you make these these really quick decisions. That was, that was a good one. <laughs> because he did get better. He felt very comfortable in that environment. Um, and now he is, I mean, he still has dementia, but he's living in an assisted living section. But he's still um, alive. And he ha he's, uh, he's still alive. He is living in his own, uh, he has like a little uh, apartment there and, you know, with shared, uh, he, he wouldn't be able to survive on his home at, at home alone, but he's in a safe place. But sometimes it's really important to, if we can, include the person in the decision making. I mean, he was not able to make decisions about what medications to take at the time. Um, but it's important to, to think about what is it, not just what's important to you, but what's important to the person. That's so empowering, too. I mean, it is. So it is. And I think the fact that we listened to him 
I think made him want to continue living because he was very depressed at the time too. But he came out of it. So that's a, that's a kind of a, that was a big lesson for me, and I share it because I think everybody can gain from that. Okay. You're not talking about the local veterans, home, are you? No, no. This is in Maine. I wonder yeah. if they would be able to take people who have dementia. I, the, um, I think they do have a special unit in the, in the, in the I, oh, uh, in Vermont? I don't know. No, there's not a home I, there, I don't think, but there's one in Bellows Falls. No, sorry, um, Ludlow. There's a, I think there's a home in Ludlow. I think yeah. they closed them down, the Kyle, really? I think. Yeah. yeah. So it is some places, I mean, the, the, this particular veterans home um, has a unit that's just for people with dementia. So, you know, it was. We were very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> we were very lucky. I think this one brought Okay. So considering medications to slow the progression of symptoms, you know, some of the medications that are available, not everybody can take them. There are some significant side effects. Only about 50% of the people who have dementia can tolerate the medications. Um, and I'll be giving you a list later. And I'm not a nurse. And I'm not a physician, so I can't. I can't give you any recommendations around medication, but there are medications that help to, to um, slow the progress. They don't reverse the progress and they, uh, of the progression, and they don't actually do anything to stop the actual dementia itself, but they provide a better connection uh, within the brain. So as the, you know, as, um, the brain seems to be shrinking, the connection sent to, um, it's harder to to, uh, to connect, and the medications will simply help to sort of help that <coughs> connection until it gets to the point where the where the, the dementia has progressed progressed to the point where uh, the medication isn't helping anymore. But it does help in, for instance, it might help somebody's ability to continue speaking a little bit longer, continue to do things for their own, you know, feeding themselves a little longer. Um, just functioning a little bit better for some people. Do you, do yes. you know the name of the medication? Uh, I'm going to give you a list in a minute. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to ha you have it on your thing, so you'll be able oh. to take it home with you. Okay. Uh, another opportunity, another uh, reason why it's good to uh, diagnose early is it provides an opportunity to explore potential research trial. Um, I've had actually I had a friend who had Alzheimer's who um, became involved in a research trial and the, the follow-up was very, very good. You know, the family got a little bit more support. She got very close um, monitoring. Mm -hmm. So for some people, that's important. Um, you might also choose not to do that. Well, and also for some people, maybe the ability to make a contribution. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like your your, your illness or whatever can have can help some others. benefit to others. You can be part of the trial to yeah. help others. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So screening. How do you screen for dementia? There are different um, little screening tools that we use or t little tests that we give. Uh, this is not to diagnose dementia. This is just to screen. So in other words, when you take these screening um, little little tests. Um, and it says, yeah, there's a high chance here that there's some issues. What happens then is then you go back, you go on for further assessment. Um, so, for instance, if you have, if you're really sick and you you're not able to think clearly, um, and you have like a bad infection, you might not do very well in one of these tests. 
and then you take it again in a month and you do very well. So in other words, if you don't do well in these tests, it doesn't mean that you have dementia. But if you don't do well in one of these tests, it means that we should dig a little further to see if there's something going on there. Okay. Some of the tests, that the, I'm just giving you a list of four. Um, you know, you're very welcome to Google these and find out more information about each of these tests. Um, there's the mini mental state exam that, uh, um, that some of you are probably familiar with, and maybe, you're, maybe even your physician might have given it to you when you um, walked into the, the office, where they ask 30 questions. You know, they may ask you to spell the word, the word world backwards. Oh. They may ask you who the president is, where are you right now, what year is it? You know, those are the types of questions that the, the test will, have, will give. The mini COG um, test is usually given um, it's often given in the hospital when someone is um, not doing very well, and it's easy to give this on a bedside because um, you ask the person to draw a clock, and then you ask them to put in all the numbers on the clock, and then ask them to give, to put it at, for instance, um, ten minutes to ten minutes to uh, eleven. <laughs> And so you ask the person to put the, the, the minute hand and the, um, the hour hand. Um, people who have dementia cannot do it. You know, you'll find people will put all the numbers on one side, for instance. And then, but when you're talking to them, you're not, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a problem. Or they might not be able to put the, the, the minute hand and the hour hand at the right spot. Um, so that's a good way. And then you all, you're also asking them to remember three words. Mm -hmm. You tell them the three words before you have them do the, the clock test. Then you have them draw the clock. Then you ask them what those three words are. Um, you're right. uh, and usually, if they can't do the clock, there's, a, there's something going on. Something's mm -hmm. going on in the brain. It, it, might be, it might be delirium, which is, you know, delirium is when somebody, for instance, has an infection and they're, they're not able to, to think clearly. You take care of the infection and then that delirium clears. If somebody has dementia, it doesn't clear. It doesn't clear. <laughs> um, there's two, the, the two other forms, uh, uh, the two other uh, screening tools we use um, is SLUMS, which is the St. Louis University Memory Screening. And then the MOCA, and SLUMS is used by the Veterans Administration. They, they use that um, screening tool. And then MOCA, which is the Montreal Cognitive um, Assessment. The, the last two, SLUMS and MOCA, would tend to be a little bit more sensitive to detect early dementia. So in other words, you might have early dementia and do really well on the mini mental state exam. But it's a little bit hard to do well on those if you have the early stages. Do you know what they use here at the hospital? Um, at the Dartmouth, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one they use. I know the Veterans Administration uses um, slums, but I'm not sure. Um, I know they used used to use the mini men, mini mental state exam, but I, um, technically that one you're supposed to pay. Uh, there, there's uh, some rights to that. So uh, even though it's used pretty widely, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which one. Okay. Can you find these uh, where they are in the computer? You can if you Google them. You'll yeah. you'll get all kinds of information. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually see what the tools are. 
not the test problem because you can prepare ahead. Well, you know, I have, I have a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> <don't> I? <laughs> Study for your test. What are words? Something like practice. <laughs> I had when I used to work as in a community mental health center. Um, I was doing a home visit with someone who had, you know, we thought she had early stages of dementia. We weren't sure if there was a depression there. The psychiatrist had commented, we had done the, the mini mental state exam. And um, she missed uh, several of the questions, maybe about five of the questions. So she got a 25 out of 30, which isn't too bad. That's not bad, that's good. Um, so we went back three weeks later, and she said, okay, are you going to give me the test now? And I said, uh, well, not not today. We'll do it another six months. Because I've been studying. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd been studying all the, all the questions we'd asked her. Okay. Um, early diagnosis. Um, many people are not diagnosed in the early stages, probably because sometimes it, it's we're not sure if it's dementia or it doesn't really become a, pr a big problem. Um, so 3%... Uh, of a population of people with dementia are diagnosed in the early stage. Usually it has to progress a little bit more before somebody is actually diagnosed with it. 25% uh, are diagnosed in the moderate state. Many are underdiagnosed, meaning many people have dementia that don't get diagnosed with it. Um, and even when they're diagnosed with it, um, it's undertreated. Not that you can reverse the symptoms, but there are some things that could be done. Um, not saying everybody should try the medication, but everybody should have the conversation about whether or not they should try the medication. Everybody should have um, the option, being given the choice. Um, but some people, there are some physicians who don't like the medications at all. Uh, I have to tell you, the medications, like I said before, do have side effects. There's no medication out there that doesn't have side effects. And these, um, about 50% of the people who try the medications have some pretty severe um, symptoms, that, side effects that they can't continue. One, one of the symptoms is um, um, di diarrhea, for instance, is one of the common uh, co uh, complaints that people have. And they say, I can't deal with it. You know, so. One more thing. One more thing to deal with, yeah. Uh, but not everybody has that, that reaction. So it's, we all are different, right? So. Thank God. So mild cognitive impairment, what is that? Well, mild is uh, problems with memory, language, or other mental function, um, but it's not serious enough to interfere with daily life. Okay. Um, it does not meet the criteria to be called dementia. It's not severe enough. It doesn't have en enough of the symptoms. Uh, enough of a combination of the symptoms or the severity of the symptoms to be called dementia. Um, and it does increase when somebody has mild cognitive uh, impairment. It doesn't mean that they will get Alzheimer's disease, but there is a certain percentage of them that do go on to develop Alzheimer's disease. So not everybody with mild cognitive impairment gets Alzheimer's, but more people <laughs> get Alzheimer's than not. Than not. Alzheimer's disease, somebody was saying that it runs in, does it run in family. It does, it is. Um, if your parents have, both your parents had Alzheimer's disease, you are at a higher risk of developing it. If neither one of your parents had Alzheimer's disease, it doesn't mean that you, you can't get it. I mean, it is, it, nobody's immune in other mm -hmm. words. Um, but it does tend to run in certain families a little bit more heavily than others. 
Um, so to be diagnosed, you have, so there's a clinical, uh, it's, it's a clinical approach. In other words, it's not like you can take a blood test and you go, oh, you've got Alzheimer's. Um, so it's, it's more of uh, observation of different things and adding them all up uh, where you suspect that somebody might have it. Um, it's usually a, a gradual or progressive decline in cognitive function. So someone's ability to think things out. Um, memory issues, there are usually memory issues that, that come into play. Um, and in addition to the memory impairment, um, there's often a, maybe a language dis disturbance. It doesn't necessarily have to be so. Um, but sometimes people will, will forget certain words or they'll replace words with others um, and continue to talk as if they're, you know, it's very normal when you're like, what did you say? <laughs> um, so there might be some uh, motor function decline. Uh, visual processing may be off. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but when people have advanced dementia, like if you've gone into some of the uh, uh, some of the special units that ha house people with dementia, they'll often put a um, like a very dark um, mat on the exit door so that they don't go out because they don't see. They'll see it as a. They might think it's a hole. The perception is a little bit off. Hmm. Um, so they won't go to the exit. The <laughs> you know, if you're concerned about somebody exiting um, and leaving, um, so that that would some help seems to help. Put a chip in them. <laughs> What's that? Somebody just put a chip in them. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have um, yeah. you know uh, bracelets or ankle bracelets to help notify you if somebody's leaving. Mm -hmm. um, that can be very important. Um, can I tell a quick story? I don't know if you had your time to just real bad. So there was this um, friend of mine whose mother died, and so the hearse arrived at Valley at Hanover Terrace and backed up, and they left the doors open while they went to get her body. And this guy, who probably had a bracelet, got in the car, you know, a patient, and drove the hearse. <laughs> and the back's open, and he's driving. He came right up here by Jesse's and went off the road, but by oh that time God. the police were on him. They didn't know where he was, but they found him. Someone said, well, the nurse. And he was, <laughs> hopefully he was safely returned. Everything was fine, but it's like, what a story. Oh, yeah. That is a good but that story. Is, that is a good story. That it really is. That is a concern. <laughs> Executive function decline is also um, um, sometimes a, something that goes in. Executive functioning sometimes, for, for people with vascular dementia, that's often what tends to go first. Executive functioning, think of an executive director. What does an executive director do? They prioritize things, they're able to make the plan ahead. Don't have that. Um, <laughs> so the, your executive <laughs> functioning new, is your ability <laughs> to plan. Um, an <coughs> example is, <coughs> for instance, my father, made coffee for years and years and it was coffee maker, right? All of a sudden, couldn't remember the, mm -hmm. the order in which you do things. Um, you know, couldn't make the coffee. <laughs> so that's an example of, of being able to plan and to do things in steps. Uh, being able to get dressed, for instance. You know, you, you don't think about it, right? But <laughs> wait till you get, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very difficult for somebody with dementia to remember the steps to get dressed. So that's what executive functioning is. Somebody with attention deficit disorder has poor executive functioning skills. <laughs> um, so they think of it in that way, and that so that sometimes um, goes with, with the dementia. Um, and we have to make sure that the symptoms you have is not due to psychiatric, or neurological, or systemic disease. So it's not because of an infection or. Um, 
or not because of depression, um, okay. and it's not delirium. So those are the, the key uh, things to diagnose Alzheimer's. So what's the difference between normal aging versus disease? Well, in early dementia, what happens is, um, is the memory and concentration kind of tends to go away, tends to start losing the memory. And there often is some a mood and behavior change. Um, so if you have, if, for just normal aging, it's not normal for your mood to change or your behavior to change unless you get depression. Um, or for you to become all of a sudden very cranky um, without depression. So if there's a change, again, the key here is it's, if you've always been cranky, <laughs> no change there. But if all of a sudden you become very crabby <laughs> and you never were, something's going on. It might be dementia, it might be depression, might something's going on. So if there's a change, that's that's the key. That's one of the, the, the first key um, things to look at. Later in dementia, so later what happens is people oftentimes will have language, difficulty with language and speech. Um, they'll develop, they might develop a form of aphasia, or they might be able, but they might not remember how to say things, or the, you know, the word finding mm -hmm. becomes a problem. Um, they might have a problem with their movement and coordination, and again, it, it has to do with you know, the part of the brain that gets affected, and this part here affects you know, breathing and um, uh, swallowing and movement, um, and as the disease progresses, it, might, it starts affecting that part. But that usually happens later, mm -hmm. later in the uh, in the disease. So uh, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's versus normal aging. With Alzheimer's, someone may forget an entire experience versus someone with normal aging, the normal forgetfulness you were talking about, you might forget parts of the experience, but you'll still remember that there was an experience there. Um, you, might, you, you might remember that your family was there for Christmas, but you might not remember a little piece of, the, of that experience. With Alzheimer's, you might forget completely that your family was there for Christmas. Uh, rarely remember later with Alzheimer's, whereas with normal aging, it's, you know, it starts coming back to you. Or if somebody reminds you of yeah, something. Right, that right. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It's there. <laughs> uh, with Alzheimer's, you're gradually unable to follow written or verbal directions. I had one client who um, I thought there was some kind of dementia going on with him, but I wasn't sure. I knew there was also depression. Um, and he, was, he had a lot of anxiety, and I thought maybe his primary issue was anxiety. So he would, I would leave his, his or I used to do home visits. And then I get a call the next week and say, Bernie, where are you? And I said, well, I'm going to be there on Thursday at 1 o'clock. You know, looking. Oh, okay, okay. So I get there. And so I started writing down on his calendar when I'm going to be there. Still, phone's ringing. Bernie, where are you? He wasn't able to. When I, when I would show him something, he'd be able to read it. But he wasn't able to process it. But he could call you, man. But he could call me. Yeah. He could call me. He had my number. <laughs> you had to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, funny. But that we was just, one of the signs that there was something going on because he couldn't process what he was reading. He could he could read it out loud, but he couldn't process it. Um, so gradually unable to follow directions. So you know, a lot of times, you know, you might make those little notes on the stickies. Mm -hmm. Eventually, as um, dementia progresses. <laughs> 
You'll, you'll be able to read the note, but you're not going to know what it says. You're not going to be able to follow the directions. Uh, with normal aging, you're usually able to follow directions. And then with um, dementia, you're um, gradually unable to care for yourself, whereas with normal aging, people are able to continue, unless there's something physically going on with them that they need some assistance. So vascular dementia is that other, the second most common kind of dementia in the United States. And it's the result of multiple small strokes, which cha changes the availability of um, blood flow um, to your brain cells. So your nutrition and your oxygen is not getting to the brain, so you're not, your brain is slowly kind of dying because you're not getting all of that to keep it, to keep it going. Um, it's also, there's other, uh, other different forms of it, but eventually, but generally vascular dementia is kind of like the main uh, way to describe it. So it's 10 to 20% of all forms of dementia fall under that category. It's the second most common. The differences in the presentation with someone who has vascular disease versus someone who has Alzheimer's. In vascular disease, like I was telling you a little while ago, executive functioning um, seems to be one of the first signs. It, it seems to be more impaired than people with Alzheimer's. And memory is less impaired, but it then eventually it does become impaired. But, um, and again, it depends on the type of where in the brain um, the lack of the blood flow is going. So it does affect, depending on the, the part of the brain, can have some effect. Um, so other forms of dementia, Pick's disease or frontotemporal dementia, that affects, it's the first, it, it starts affecting the front part of the brain, right here. Um, it's a, and usually what, that usually happens uh, when people are a little bit younger. So it's not unusual for somebody in their late 40s or in their 50s, you know, in early 60s to develop frontotemporal dementia versus Alzheimer's, which tends to happen later, although there is such a thing as early onset Alzheimer's. Um, but if somebody is showing signs of dementia early on, um, I would question, you know, mm -hmm. there's a higher chance that it might be related to this. The other thing to consider is um, many times people with front frontotemporal dementia, they first start going to the doctor with, it looks like it's a mental health concern. It doesn't, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily losing their memory, but they're behaving a little differently. We had one woman I uh, was working with whose husband had frontotemporal dementia, and she said, until the doctor told me what it was, I was going to divorce him. Mm -hmm. He was obnoxious. He was this very nice man for 30 years. I was married to him. You know, he was such a, and then all of a sudden he started behaving badly. <laughs> And it wasn't his fault. It was due to, but she didn't know this. And until the dementia got diagnosed, and once it was diagnosed, then the family understood why he was behaving that way. Oftentimes, they become disinhibited. So they're not, you know, when you're, you know, well, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not nice for me to do that. Well, that goes away. <laughs> you know, that's the front part of the brain. That kind of helps to filter, you know, the good behavior and bad behavior. Um, so it might be, um, so that gets, the screen goes down and, uh, or, or, or it gets taken away. 
So someone may behaving, may be behaving. Like he, for one example, is he would say some very inappropriate sexual things in, in public, um, or he would make a comment to waitresses that were, you know, when they were out to dinner, and he, she said she was very embarrassed and she didn't understand why he was behaving this way. And once it, once he was diagnosed, and she was able, she got some little card that said my husband has dementia, um, and she was able to show people um, when they were in public mm -hmm. to help sort of explain why he was behaving a certain way. So that's the kind of dementia that's fun. That's fun. Well, it depends who well. you, unless you're married to them. <laughs> yeah. well, see, that's, that's the kind of dementia I have. Uh-huh. Like a nurse tells me that I can't get into the refrigerator and get my husband's medication out, and I said, oh, I didn't know I would fit. There you, you know. go. There you go. You can use it to your advantage. That's right. That's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> can I just ask, was that woman a patient or a client of yours? Because I'm just so interested in, you know, having the behavior and then finding out that it's dementia, and still she needs to live with it. You know, That's I mean, right. She, so she like, needed some support. She needed support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing really you can do about that. I mean, that's... Again, there's no no magic pill. No, there's no magic pill. Well, you can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. Just have to maintain your sense of humor. <laughs> there is, and, and, and there are, you know, pe pe you know, there. I think as long as, as a family understands, and the family sometimes does need support, as does the individual. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we have, you know, people who have this that will, you know, they need some support on, on how to continue functioning and continue. Yeah. Uh, the first symptoms usually involve a personality change, so that's why they first come in. Oftentimes, they'll show up um, for a psych visit because <laughs> this is normal, though. <laughs> that's not, nothing different, right? <laughs> no change, no, no change. problem. Change, change is the important the the the, the, the important <laughs> word here. Um, and so some of the signs and symptoms are behavioral, emotional changes, and they might have um, you know, um, emotional ups and downs, um, lang difficulty with language sometimes. Um, okay. So dementia with Lewy bodies um, disease is, a, is another form of dementia. Uh, that's a, it's a gradual, progressive dementia. Um, and uh, there's usually real fluctuations in someone's cognitive ability. So some, some days or some hours, they might be pretty clear, and then other days or other hours of the day, they're, they're not able to think clearly. Um, now sometimes I describe it like Swiss cheese. You know, sometimes you have Swiss cheese. I'm going to get a lot of cheese, and I'm going to get only the whole. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, so one of the common <laughs> symptoms, it's not, not everybody who has Lewy bodies has hallucinations, but a fair number of them do. And that's usually what, you know, Montana will go up, ha ha, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and many times the hallucinations are they see either children or animals, and they're not necessarily um, upsetting hallucinations. You know, oftentimes, like we have, I have a friend whose husband has um, Lewy bodies dementia. And um, he sees animals in his room all the time, and he's not upset by them. He actually likes them. <laughs> so, and you know, they wanted to give him medication, and his wife said, "No, he's he's happy with it. <laughs> you, you don't, don't have, have to have those animals. He was fine. Or feed him." <laughs> so it is, you know, so that is uh, a common, um, a relatively common um, condition. Um, they often have spontaneous uh, motor features and. Two, they must have two of the following: cognitive fluctuations, 
visual hallucinations or par Parkinsonism, which is, you know, some rigidity in the ability to walk. So this is a picture of the brain. And um, so depending on, like for instance, frontal temporal dementia is this part, you know, oftentimes will affect this part of the brain first. Um, the temporal lobe, which is, you know, this part here, which is, I'm not sure where it is on this one, but it's on the side, uh, oftentimes is affected by the um, um, Alzheimer's. So if we take a look at, you know, some of the, um, the, the frontal uh, lobe, for instance, uh, will affect someone's behavior, um, intelligence, like being able to read and understand what you're reading, um, your memory, and sometimes your movement, part of, part of your movement. Whereas the uh, temporal lobe, again, which is this part here, oftentimes will affect behavior, hearing, a memory, speech, and vision. Um, the stem of the brain is uh, often will uh, will uh, control your blood pressure, breathing, your consciousness, heartbeat, and swallowing. And usually with dementia, that's one of the later stages where it starts affecting that piece. Okay. So, for instance, someone in the early to moderate stages of dementia is able to eat and um, walk and. That, you know, continue to you know, breathe, but th these really affect parts that doesn't require cognitive, a cognitive part of your of your functioning. Um, okay, any questions or it's basically just I mean, you, you we could spend years <laughs> studying the brain, but the the takeaway message here is dementia affects the brain in the same way that a heart condition affects your heart. Brain is an organ in your body, so even though people with dementia, it doesn't look like they have a physical problem, it is a, very much a medical condition, and um, their behavior is not—it's not their fault—and mm -hmm. we need to understand that. Uh, one of the things I do when I work with family members is help them to understand that, you know, you've lived with John for 30, for 60 years. And John behaved you know, a certain way for 60 years, but he now has a disease that is affecting his brain, is affecting his behavior, and so he's not behaving in the same way. So we can't keep, we can't keep expecting him to start behaving the way he's always behaved. And once we get to that aha, <laughs> that really, it really helps. Mm -hmm. It really helps the family to understand that we can't get them, um, you know, we're, we can't have them come back to our world. We have to be able to go into their world, in a sense. Um, yes. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I think that my husband has, is somewhere on the spectrum for Alzheimer's, and I know that if that's the case, that his behaviors won't change. But I need to find a way to be with them and to live with them and to mm -hmm. accommodate around them. And it's similar. That's why I was asking about how the, the woman, the husband who was inappropriate right. was dealing with it, and I think it's pretty crucial to look hard. My husband has dementia, or my wife has dementia, mm -hmm. or whatever, but I think that that's such a huge part. It's not only for the, you know, the patient, but the caregiver. I mean, it's just the hours and the frustration, and, the, and even if you can integrate into your body, yes, this is a medical disease, it just feels so foreign at times that it's just really, really hard. It is very important. Oh, so that support and yeah, even having respite care to be able to go away for a weekend or whatever mm -hmm. needs to happen so yeah. that there can be a break because it's yeah. 
Yeah, your so respite is very important. Easier said than done when you oh, have a, sure. you know, a loved one who's got dementia. Um, but understanding that, you know, one of the things I tell people, caregivers of people with uh, dementia, is the um, chances of developing depression if you're a caregiver of someone with mm -hmm. dementia yeah, yeah. is triple oh, that of the regular population. And I don't tell people that to depress them. <laughs> I tell them that because Prepare. if you've got depression, you can do something about yeah. it. Right. Uh -huh. And to prevent yourself from getting to that point, and if you feel you're getting yourself getting into that point, we need to address it. Mm -hmm. Don't let it go too far. Um, so knowing that, again, education, being aware of it Absolutely. helps. Yeah. So, but, but definitely people who are caregivers, people individual dementia, 45% have depression, they develop depression. So, um, but you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. And it is important to get support and whenever possible. Um, educate yourself. You know, we have people who have an Alzheimer's, we have an Alzheimer's support group that meets here twice a month, and we have members who can come and they say, uh, this is the only place I can go where others understand what I'm going through. Um, there's the Memory Cafe that's also oh, available, yeah. which is a great resource for people where, um, you know, you go and there's a, it's a social gathering yeah. of an individual who has dementia and a, and a family member or loved one, and they go together and everybody is equal, mm -hmm. everybody's comfortable, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. Yeah, so incredible. it's important to kind of get connected to all of these resources, um, you know. So, you know, you talk about depression and the meds. Do you believe that therapy helps too, or do you think the meds are just, you know, my feeling, is, I have a background in counseling, but is that if someone's on medication for depression, it's really important that they get some therapy as well. I don't know how you feel about that. I think some people do well with just the pill. Some, some people thing. don't do well with the pill. They do better with the counseling. Some people do better with both. So, okay. And also, another thing I want to point out for depression, it's not just taking a pill or getting therapy. It's also seeing what you can do differently, right, right, right. Uh, getting exercise sometimes helps. Yeah. Going out for that 20 minute walk once a day where you can be by yourself right. if possible, that can be very helpful. Um, maybe changing your diet, maybe changing, um, changing your environment. So it's not just taking a pill and not just going for talk therapy. It's all these things. It's like I, I call it, you know, the multi-prong approach. Mm -hmm. The more prongs you've got, the more chances you are of really doing something about the depression. Yeah. Yeah. And in this situation, it just seems like the, the support groups are kind of absolutely. critical. Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. You know, feeling alone with something like yeah. this is, is the worst. Yeah. We have one man who comes um, every month and he says, I'm here for my one hour therapy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it, for him, it, it's a it's a matter of uh, it's what sa he says it saved his life. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I know for me, I usually try to walk at mm -hmm. least a, at least a half an hour. Yeah. I mean, I had gone to to a doctor what six seven years ago now because I was having these abnormal you know to me abnormal symptoms. Uh huh. And he said, "This is what's going on. Yeah. You're getting you're getting depressed." Yeah. And so he, he prescribed to me, he says, walk an hour a day. So I do that. There's a couple of people that I talk to, um, namely within my own family. Mm -hmm. And I drink stress relief tea and tension tamer tea. Mm -hmm. That helps. Wow, cool. 
Yeah. So you're doing it now. You just need to yeah, the yeah. 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 That's good. That's very good. Yeah. And you know, one of the things with uh, walking, you know, if you're able to walk, if you're, if you're able to get up and walk, it is, it's a good form of exercise, not only for the caregiver, but the person with dementia. And, and we have um, Dr. Bartelli here, Dr. Bartelli here will often say, you know, red wine, they say red wine's very good for your heart, very good for your blood flow. But if I had a choice between having a glass of red wine and sitting down and doing a crossword puzzle, which is good actually for the brain, <laughs> or going out for a brisk walk, the brisk walk really is what makes a healthier, um, yeah. You could do all three. You could do all three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the wine with you. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, you know, getting the blood flow uh, is good for a person with Alzheimer's, good for a person with vascular dementia, and good for caregivers, all of them. So reversible dementia, or can, sometimes it's also called pseudo-dementia, but no such thing really as pseudo-dementia because it's not really dementia. <laughs> but something that um, sometimes, you know, one of the things you said, you mentioned, you know, we want to make sure it's not something that can be reversible. So it's, it's important to have that diagnosed. And some of these are, for instance, medication sometimes will make somebody look like they have dementia. So we have to make sure that it's not caused by either medication or a combination of medication. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of uh, patients who have multiple lists of, you know, taking a whole bunch of medication, and who knows how that's interacting. Um, it's not alcohol-related. We want to make sure about that, too. Um, met metabolic disorders, you know, some B12, you know, having a low uh, B12, for instance, can make you look like you have dementia or make you look depressed. Um, depression also can sometimes look like dementia, especially in older adults. Mm -hmm. So those are the things we want to make sure um, that's not causing the symptoms. Or may not be combined with the dementia. We, you know, we need to treat these. Um, and don't blame it all on aging or dementia. We have, um, you know, if you were a crabby old, if you're a crabby young person and you're now crabby in your old age, well, <laughs> but if you never were crabby and all of a sudden then something's going on. So some behaviors are lifelong. Some people are pain in the you-know-what all of their life and that's how they are. Um, but what happens is when you, when, with increased stress or sometimes depression, some of the, those, um, those uh, behaviors may be exaggerated. You know, we have, you are um, in your 80s what you were in your 40s, only twice as much. Um, I remember one, uh, it was a keynote speaker at a conference, and um, it was a pretty old, older man who was um, doing the keynote. And he was talking about his mother. And I said, oh, this guy's got a mother. Like, <laughs> mother's alive. <laughs> and then he said, yeah, my mother's 98 years old, Whoa. and she's never been as much of herself as she is now. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, uh, as you get older and you have a lot of stress, <laughs> your little behaviors may get exaggerated. Um, so ability to cope and flexibility is characteristic of a person, really, and not aging. You might have an 85-year-old woman here who has the same exact list of symptoms and same exact list of um, medical conditions as this 85-year-old woman, but they may be responding differently to them. So mm -hmm. your personality has a lot to do with how you're able to cope and how you're able to uh, manage. And personality does not change unless, of course, it's modified by disease. So your personality can change with dementia, 
or can change if you have, for instance, depression or uh, like bipolar disorder or some other condition. But it, do, it doesn't necessarily change until, unless something is actually making a change. If it is changing, something's going on. Mm -hmm. Some behavioral symptoms, um, these occur <coughs> with 50% of, of those um, with any form of dementia as it progresses. And these are the symptoms that often get really uh, stressful for the caregiver. Um, there could be some agitation. Not everybody with dementia gets these <coughs> symptoms. But oftentimes, these are the symptoms when they have, when somebody with dementia has them, that's when it gets pretty dicey for the caregiver. Um, agitation, so you might have somebody who's always been a lamb and all of a sudden becomes quite agitated and angry. Um, they might be delusional or they might be thinking, they might be get paranoid, for instance. Oftentimes, like with Alzheimer's, in the early stages, it's not unusual for people to develop symptoms of depression because they're still aware of what's going on and they might be feeling lost, feeling like they're lo losing some control. Um, there's some changes happening in the brain too, that mm -hmm. depression you know, is very much a brain, a brain disorder, right? As the disease progresses, they, they tend to develop uh, sometimes paranoia or I know they think people are taking their things. Well, they're forgetting where they put their stuff mm -hmm. and they think somebody, somebody's taking it. Um, so that's not unusual to, to those, delu those um, delusions are not unusual uh, later in the, in the in moderate to later stages of dementia. Hallucinations, especially certain types of uh, dementia tend to have more hallucinations than others. Uh, and not everybody with Alzheimer's has hallucinations. I just want to, it's not a, it's not a, a very common um, symptom. It's not an unusual symptom, but it's not a, extremely common symptom in dementia. Wandering is also an issue where people forget where mm -hmm. they go. Um, depression, sleep disturbance is often something that can be um, can be a challenge. Um, you know, someone may sleep more during the day than they do at night or they might sleep <coughs> intermittently um, and that can be a concern for the caregiver because caregivers are still wanting their sleep at night. <laughs> um, uh, and yelling and calling out sometimes because someone might be confused as to where they are and want to, you know, they might be uh, looking, searching for someone. Uh, we had one woman, it was an older couple. She was 90 and he was 92. She had Alzheimer's and he was, take, he was taking care of her. Um, and they were living in a home that they had lived in for 30 years. Um, but they had lived in another home previous to this for 30, 30 years before that. Because short-term memory is one of the things that goes with Alzheimer's, <coughs> this woman would get confused and feel like she wasn't at home because she was remembering her home from 30 years ago. So every night she would say, I want to go home, I want to go home. So after a few trial and error of what to do with this, um, he would put her in the car, they would drive around the driveway, the, 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 the block, come back, and say, okay, we're home, and she'd say, Okay, <laughs> and it worked. So sometimes you've got you've got to be creative, and you yeah. gotta, you know. And in in her case, she would just it, it's almost like they would jar her back. Yeah. Around. Okay, I'm home now. That's cool. Yeah. So some of the causes of the behavioral symptoms again, it's a damage. You got to remember that the behavior happens because there's a damage, there's a change in the brain. 
not because the person is trying to get your goat, <laughs> trying to make you angry. It's, it's, a, it's a change in the brain. And the area in which the brain um, is affected is, is what's going to happen. Like, for instance, there are certain, like the front part of the brain may affect more of the emotional or the behaviors. Um, people who've had strokes, for instance, um, it's not unusual for someone just to get very tearful easily after a stroke. Um, so, because that part of the brain might have, the emotional part of the brain might have been, might have been affected. Um, and behavior is no longer under the conscious control of the individual, so we need to remember that. And even when the brain is no longer able to process information to understand what is going on, person with dementia may be emotionally perceptive and sensitive, and I want to I want to stress that here. <coughs> we have uh, when I've gone into nursing homes and worked with um, staff. It's very important for them to understand that Mrs. Jones may not know, know who you are or what you're trying to do when you're trying to dress her, <coughs> but she will be able to tell how you're feeling because that sense of emotion yeah, doesn't go away that easily. <coughs> so if you, so if for instance the nurses aides are going in and they're they've got issues going on at home and they're they, they're angry or they have a chip on their shoulder, that will affect how um, the individual they're working with will respond to them. Um, and I I tell you this because I think it's important for us to if we're stressed as caregivers, <coughs> uh, we may we, we need to put that in check, and we need to. You know, be very aware that it's not what you're saying to someone, but how you're saying it. You know, you may be talk gibberish, but if you say it in a gentle voice, you're going to get a different reaction than if you're, you know, if you're not using that tone, if you use a different tone of voice. So it's very important for people to understand that even though people with dementia don't know what you're saying, they know how you're saying it, and that doesn't go away. And you will have much better, uh, um, a, a much better response and more success with getting someone to to do something with you, um, with how you how you ask. If the caregiver is anxious, hurried, angry, etc., the individual with dementia will sense this and become may become distressed. We had this was years ago, so. Hopefully this wouldn't happen today, but when I worked in the community mental health center, I remember getting a call from a nursing home um, saying, uh, so-and-so was very, very agitated and we don't know why, just started. I uh, get to the nursing home and everybody was kind of a, like in a, the living room area and the TV was blasting. And guess what was on the TV? The news. Jerry Springer. Oh, oh my God. God. Lordy. Anybody you know, would get totally agitated. So if you could imagine, I mean, I, I get agitated. <laughs> so imagine if you have dementia and you can't process that this is just a TV, that people are yelling at each other. So, uh, so you know, my recommendation was turn the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. We put it on Andy Griffith, and everything, you know. But it, but it does. It, environment can have quite an effect on someone. Mm -hmm. So keeping that in mind, like sometimes TV is on when you've got someone in the house household who may have dementia. Uh, what's going on on the television, or what's being said on the radio, or how people are can have an effect on individuals. Well, it affects me, and I don't have dementia. That's right. That's right. 
That's the point. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And if you have dementia, you can't process that. Yeah. yeah. So responses to behavioral symptoms. So dealing with behaviors are a major cause of stress and burnout for care providers. So, um, uh, you know, we need to remind ourselves to blame the disease, not the person. So, you know, the Alzheimer's that's making that person do that, it's not that person who's intentionally behaving that way. Um, and we try, it's important for us to try to interpret the behavior according to the knowledge of a person's history. Um, we had one woman in, in the nursing home who uh, had worked as a nurse for years. And one of the biggest problems we were dealing with is she kept going behind the <laughs> nursing station. And she would, you know, be in writing in the chair. Oh, no. <laughs> the solution was? Get, we got her a few, her own um, some, uh, some empty charts <laughs> and put them on one, you know those mobile, those yeah, wheel, yeah. um, so cool. uh, they're like shells on wheels, kind of like you see in the, in the libraries. Put that in her room, in her room with a, with a little chair and desk and she was happy as a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's, so it's important so to understand, yeah, ex exactly. We didn't need pills. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's important to try to figure out w why a person may be behaving a certain way and work with it. Mm -hmm. Not always, we don't always have solutions that easily, but uh, it's really important to try to find a solution. So tips to help um, communication, let me look at um, you know, stay calm, mm -hmm. uh, focus on feelings, not facts. Especially when someone gets, like if somebody starts accusing others of taking their money or um, hiding the keys or, um, you know, try, instead of trying to argue with them, it's like, I didn't take your money, you lost your money, you're just going to hit against the wall. Focus on how is that person feeling right now? Are you feeling lost right now? Are you feeling like you, um, you feeling frustrated? So talk about the, the feelings rather than trying to get them oriented to, you know, reality because you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there. You're, they're not. You're, they're not going to come around. And if they do come around, two minutes later, they're going to be back there anyway. Um, so don't waste your energy trying to get that person to understand what's actually going on. Um, it's important to really focus on how they're feeling. If you know, are they hungry? Um, do they want to go for a walk right now? Um, are you feeling lonely right now? So focus on the emotions. Okay. Speak slowly, using simple words, and remember, um, you know, trying when you give instructions. For instance, uh, instead of saying, you know, let's put your hat on and your coat on and you know and your boots on, and then we'll go out for a walk. That's sometimes too much information in one. They can't swallow all that. So it's important to just give one little bit of information at a time, one, one little instruction at a time. So like when you brush your teeth, you put the toothpaste in your hand. Put the toothpaste on the brush. So one thing at a time so that they can process it. Ask questions one at a time. Uh, avoid vague words. Uh, in the same way that people with autism, for instance, who may not, you may not be able to use abstract type descriptions because um, if you say uh, we ran around, I, I remember one, one situation where we said, oh, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off and the person's looking for the chicken. <laughs> They're not, they take things very literally. <coughs> so it's important to, to, be, to be cognizant of that and, and try to, uh, when you're giving instructions to 
uh, no, to, to give clear instructions. Um, and sometimes we'll have, like we work with police, and, and sometimes police will go in and respond to somebody who has dementia. And police will often you know, try to make light of the, th of, the, of the situation and make a joke. And you have to be really careful. It'll tell them, you know, if somebody has dementia, you know, they might not read your joke <laughs> as a joke. So you need to be really careful um, and just keeping that in mind. Um, and don't talk about the person as if they aren't there. That happens all the time. That happens all the time. Oh, in the hospitals. Oh. Yeah. It's very important to acknowledge the person is there and to include them in the conversation. And if anything, whether or not they're able to make a decision, it'll be the feeling they get. <laughs> okay. Uh, use gestures. I have no problem with that. <laughs> Sometimes it helps if you're, you know, if you use gestures when you're talking to someone to help communicate. Um, and be patient, flexible, and understanding. See, these are the lists of the medications we were asking. Um, Aricept, Cog uh, Cognex, these are the, uh, the brand names, and then there's the generic name uh, listed right next to it. Um, so Aricept or, or, uh, is often used in all stages, like in the early stages. Um, and then some of them are used only in the mild to moderate stage. Uh, it's not unusual to have more than one going on, like to use a Namenda, which is uh, for the late, oftentimes used in the later stages, in addition to Aricept or one of the other medications. Um, these are, are not magic pills necessarily, uh, but they can be helpful for some people. Um, and some people respond very well to them. Some people, like I said, don't. Just keeping that in mind that it's not like you'll take this and you'll be 100% better. Reading scripture to someone also helps. What's that? Re reading scripture to someone helps also. If that person gets, you know, gets comfort from that, you know, anything that gives the person comfort. comfort. An example, another example would be um, um, music, music therapy. Yeah, my mother does. Or, loves yeah. Music. Mm -hmm. yeah or, or pet therapy or mm -hmm. um, doing... Providing an environment that is pleasant for the person can be so therapeutic. You can't do talk therapy with them, but boy, you can you can give them an environment that can be pleasant. So keeping that in mind as well. Um, so differentiating the, the three Ds: the dementia, the depression, uh, and delirium, uh, or some, sometimes it's it's a combination, uh, but. One of the, if you have more than one, oftentimes it'll, they'll work on each other. Um, so you can do something about the delirium because you can, you know, if you treat one of the underlying medical conditions that's causing the delirium, then you'll treat the delirium. You can do something oftentimes about depression. You know, most, most people respond very well to treatment for depression. Um, and so if you take care of those two, um, then the, the dementia, you know, would be, can be less debilitating. Um, so, keeping that in mind. Delirium is a, a temporary state of mental confusion, fluctuating consciousness resulting from like, a high fever, intoxication, shock, or other causes. So it's due to some type of underlying medical condition. Um, symptoms may include anxiety, disorientation, hallucinations, delusions, <coughs> incoherent speech, what do you notice about some of these symptoms? They're very similar to the symptoms we talked about dementia. Mm -hmm. That's why it's really important to 
kind of dig a little bit further to see what's causing, you know, we can, we can do something about delirium. Okay. Uh, the differences between depression and dementia. Um, so mental decline is relatively rapid for depression. And then somebody said, you know, it could be a slow onset. It could be a slow onset for depression, but oftentimes it's a little bit more quick. You know, the onset, the symptoms are a little bit more uh, quick than, than uh, dementia. Uh, with depression, you, you know, you ask somebody who has depression, they, they will know what the date is. They will know where they are. They might not be able to respond very quickly when you ask them. There might be a delayed response, or they may not want to talk to you. <laughs> but you know, they're they're often able to know what what time it is uh, or where they are. Whereas a person with dementia eventually will often get confused or disoriented um, to the date, sometimes to where they are. Uh, as it progresses, they may be disoriented to the individual. They may not recognize um, individuals. Uh, depression difficulty concentrating um, and that when somebody has difficulty concentrating it may look like they have a memory problem because you're telling them something it's not going in because they're not concentrating versus dementia where it's, it's not I mean going in but it's not going anywhere uh, short-term memory is a problem language motor skills are usually slow with someone who has depression but it is relatively normal they can still speak um, they can still write, but they might have a hard time, you know, concentrating. Versus someone with dementia, it might reading, speaking, and motor skills often become impaired eventually. And then with depression, they may notice and worry about whether or not they have a memory problem. Um, especially with the moderate to advanced dementia, they don't realize they have a problem. They don't realize that the memory is not there, or they don't seem to care. They don't, they don't have that ability. So 10 reminders for caregivers, remain flexible, respond to the emotion, not the behavior. Don't argue with them because you'll just too, have two unhappy people. Um, use memory aids whenever possible. We had one gentleman who um, his wife uh, wanted to wear that pink blouse and the blue pants every day. <laughs> Um, and his solution was he went out and got three pink blouses and three pairs of blue pants, and that way he was able to launder, um, you know, put his, put the clothing in the laundry. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't worth it to him yeah. to argue with his wife. And, so, and that's something you need to, to remember. Like, is, is this really important? <laughs> I think you're fine. Exactly. Is this really important? And it might be that the person may it may have bothered that person to wear pink and blue every day it doesn't right now so it's it's more important to have um, a calm um, and peace of mind mm -hmm. acknowledge and re uh, request and respond to them so especially somebody who has a memory issue they might be asking you the same question over and over again uh, it's important to try not to ignore them uh, or to try to redirect them to think about something else Look for reasons for behavior. So, if some, so it might be that somebody's cold. Uh, we have uh, in the adult day program, for instance, in Manchester, they will in the dementia um, section of the of the program, they will have everybody go to the bathroom every two hours. And the reason is people with dementia oftentimes forget. You know, they might feel uncomfortable 
but they can't process. When I feel this way, it means I have to go to the bathroom. Now how do I get to the bathroom? So just making a schedule every two hours, everybody goes to the bathroom, solves a big problem. <laughs> um, um, communicate with others on the team. So if you are a caregiver, you know, there are other people that can help in the situation and think of it as a team, not just you yourself. Explore various solutions. Think of the man who drove his, or his wife around the block. Um, try to find little simple solutions. And something that might not have worked yesterday could probably work today. Um, t don't take it personally. We, uh, we have a friend who drives around with a Q-tip on, her, door, on her, uh, uh, her dashboard. Quit taking it personally. <laughs> because she would get so upset about things and she just put the Q-tip there and said, okay, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. Huh. Okay. And um, talk with a friend, you know, reach out. Do, Reach out to people who you can talk with. You say you talk to family members, and there's, you know, find someone that you can share um, your your feelings with. So I've also listed some um, resources, uh, lists of places. If you're bored at two o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep, you can get on the internet and look these up. <laughs> okay. Um, the service link has. Um, um, there is a. Uh, you know, they have, a, they have some limited funds for caregivers. This is in New Hampshire um, for well, caregivers. trying to cut their funding. What's that? I was just reading in the paper that, that there's a, yeah. now an attempt to completely I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. So it happens every year, but I yeah. think this year it's a little bit stronger. Um, the AARP has some very good information on their website. If you get on the AARP website and then you search caregiver, for Alzheimer's, you're, you're going to get all kinds of information. The Alzheimer's Association also has a great website, um, you know, that can be very helpful, some good tips. Um, administrative on Aging, they have a National Caregiver uh, Support Program. Um, so there's, there are, there is a lot of information that's available online. Um, there's also, a, um, this is the New Hampshire Care Guide, and I know that several of you are from, New from Vermont, but you can access this, um, the content of this, of this book on, um, online. online. So yeah. you just, uh, and it has all kinds of really great information, great tips. Um, and oftentimes, if you have somebody in your family who has dementia, or if you have dementia, you know, you're not going to get all the information all at once. You have to like take little bites, right? Mm -hmm. So just keep going back. <laughs> keep going back to these resources. I mean, you came here today. You don't know everything about that you're ever going to find out about dementia. But this was one good step. And then go, you know, reaching out and finding um, information on some of these websites. Take little bites every day, and and you, you'll become an expert. <laughs> so even though it says down here, don't use this printed, there are web versions of this. Right? Oh, you can, you can, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, so you this is actually, a so this is a program on NAMI. This is a program on NAMI, yeah, right? That's so that that's what that is. But but the websites and the resources, you you don't go to it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Go for it. Any questions or comments or? I was wondering one of the issues that we're having with my mom. It's mostly I'm down there and my sister is there. That's not always easy to sort of have two people who are trying. Right. To, 
<laughs> do it, but we're, we're getting there. But my sister is really worried. My mother's in a retirement community. She's in independent living right now. But she's unquestionably got dementia. Mm -hmm. um, and probably a vascular dementia, I would say, mm -hmm. with my great diagnostic capability. But anyway, <laughs> so Pat, my sister's really nervous that they're going to get onto her and make her go into assisted living. So it's got the three different levels of care there. And so, you know, we're sort of trying to do things to, you know, improve her functioning a little bit as much as we can and to have her be independent. But it, I guess that's what a caregiver does, isn't it? <laughs> but are there any, any sort of things that you're aware of that really can help somebody with functioning um, or not decline as rapidly? I think uh, keeping somebody as active as possible, yeah. um, keeping somebody connected with others, mm -hmm. is, is can be really helpful. Um, if you, you know, you can never really completely arrest the, the progression of dementia, right. but but having somebody involved and connected with others uh, will reduce depression. Mm -hmm. Will increase that. You know, the brain function yeah. will constantly, um, you know, it's important to, to you know, to exercise, <coughs> to do, you know, doing crossword puzzles, mm -hmm. um, connecting with others, that makes the brain work a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And even though there's a disease in there that, that is going to um, slow down the process, it, it, it is going to, and we call it, you know, mental aerobics in yeah. a way. Yeah, it's no, important. That makes In the same way that you, you know, you rest of your body, the more you exercise, mm -hmm the stronger you'll be, and exercising the brain and exercising interaction with others um, can be very helpful. I have to say that um, I worked in a community mental health center for about 15 years, and then I moved on and started working and um, doing home visits with frail elders. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until um, I had a lot of the, the clients that I was working with started attending adult day programs. And I realized the value of having that individual connect with others. But if you have someone who's been a hermit all their life, you know, doesn't like other people, you're not going to make them a social butterfly later. But if you have somebody who who's worked and communicated and had friends, um, you know, trying to maintain some level of connection mm -hmm. can be so valuable. And will um, I, I I know will um, sort of delay yeah <laughs> some of the negative effects yeah of the I know exactly what you're saying yeah I just want to say that sometimes it's more of your sister's needs than the mother too I mean the, oh absolutely your sister may be very fearful of your mother going to assisted living and your mother if she were asked even with her yeah. dementia might say oh my gosh because it could change a whole bunch of things no it's really true yeah i mean it, so you know I and mean, you really do have to be aware of that, that <laughs> my sister was worried because she's gaining some weight because she's eating really well in this place <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> we're near so the doctor said to my sister we'll just buy her bigger pants <laughs> <laughs> yay good doctor i say <laughs> but i've just read being mortal you know it's yeah. Gawandi's book and he's saying ask the patient how they want these years to exactly. go you know That's it's right. like I've got my agenda, but it may not be my mom. <laughs> exactly. It's not about us. And it's again, about, about respect. Yeah. It's so exactly. respectful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is a question about life expectancy. Um, and it's <clears throat> just purely from 
informal observations of my own, but my grandmother and my mother both suffered from vascular dementia and lived on and on and on. Um, my mother was well, in their middle 90s when she died, and she'd been demented for 10 or 15 years. Um, the patients that I've known who've had Alzheimer's did not have that, generally, that kind of life expectancy. And I wonder, is there any physiological correlation there? Are people with Alzheimer's likely to die sooner, or um, can they live on and on and on? They, they could. I mean, I, I've known people with Alzheimer's who lived, you know, at least 20 years, mm. um, and others who much short, much uh, less years. So there really <coughs> isn't a magic number, mm -hmm. um, but it's usually within, you know, usually within 20 years. Um, oftentimes they have other medical conditions that kind of kick in um, and may die of other, <coughs> other conditions. Mm -hmm. um, with vascular dementia, of course, it depends on the progression and how many more little strokes somebody may have, or if they've had just a few little strokes and then continue, they can continue to function at that level for many years unless there's other, um, other injuries to the brain as they, as they go on. Um, uh, Lewy bodies, uh, dementia, for instance, is of usually less years uh, in general, but there's no like magic number mm -hmm. on any of them. It just is, I think, when you take the average of everybody that we're aware of. Um, so it, it, it really depends on the individual and um, you know, with Alzheimer's, it could be, it could be quick, and it, or it could be several years. Yeah. Do we not hear? Um, oh yes, he died of Alzheimer's disease. That's not really what and, you die of, is well, it? Well, unless somebody's, um, oftentimes, it's complications of other illnesses, like they may develop pneumonia, for instance, and are unable, uh, you know, be, or become bedridden and they die of uh, compl complications of pneumonia. Right. Um, but with Alzheimer's, again, if with, with over the course of years, you know, the, the progression of the damage to the brain can affect somebody's ability to swallow. Like the brainstem damage? Yes, yeah. the brainstem, okay. yeah. And that tends so it to could create affect um, their pneumonias. You know, yeah. <coughs> but that's usually in the you know, later stages. Oftentimes people have other things going on too. You know, if you're not eating well, your heart might, um, you know, so it's a combination of stuff. Yeah. Any other questions? I don't have a question, but I want to say thank you very much. Yeah. It's been very helpful. Yeah, thank you. you're welcome. I agree. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm just bringing up the, the D word and just wondering, I just think about being the spouse or the child of a person who has Alzheimer's for 20 years, wondering how that feels you know and I just think about I know right now that if I don't know who Pam is mm -hmm. take me you know oh, it's yeah, like, I just want to say please and so I think of Lee I think of you know whatever those of you who already know you have this in your family and I'm just I don't know I'm a volunteer chaplain at Gifford and I just see so many situations where there's hospitalization and then there's bacteria and then there's I mean it just goes on and on yeah. And I just, uh, having read Being Mortal, which I just would suggest uh -huh. to all oh, of you, it's an incredible book. Yeah, yeah, I gotta read that. And just realizing that, you know, the medical model in my mind wants to fix it, wants to make yeah. it all better, mm -hmm. and a lot of, you know, your sister, a lot of us want it to be fixed and all better, but 
when you think about the tubes and the money and the procedures oh, and the tests yeah. that can right. happen, it's right. just need right. bizarre. And the quality of life is just diminished almost with each one, mm -hmm. often. So um, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but I just wish there were a way that it, you know, Lee, if you're looking at, you know, 20 years of this, it's just like, what's the answer besides, you know, Kendall the assisted living or how, I mean, Alzheimer unit where it just costs so much money. So I just money. wish there were a way that, well, in Vermont now has I mean, it's a, such a hard topic and yeah, I know people really have different feelings about it. It is a hard topic. It, but, oh. uh, but, I, but I also think we have to look at um, <coughs> silver lining. Yes. We have to look at, I know Dr. Santilli, those of you who know Dr. Santilli, he'll say you have to look at the half full glass. Mm -hmm. um, what is the person able to do? They might not be able to remember and, and function the same way they did you know, all those years, but there are some things that they can do. We need to look at that. I'll give an example of in my own family. My father has dementia, as I shared, uh, and I have um, six brothers. We're a family of seven. And we've never, after uh, after we grew up and went to college and left home, we uh, we had you no know, regular communication, but not not uh, excessive communication amongst <coughs> all different states. Now, because of my father's situation, we are in touch all the time. We've had to rally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've become closer to my siblings now mm -hmm. in my adult life mm -hmm. than I have. I've also spent more time with my father in the past three mm -hmm. years than I spent in the past 30 years before that. Um, so there are, there is some positive, we've got to look at the positives. Um, and, and when I asked my father, uh, you know, I, how do you feel about being here in, in this assisted living? And he, he is able, to, on a clear day, he said to me, uh, I don't like having to be here, but I'm glad I'm here. Mm -hmm. so, so I think we have to look at it's going to be a new normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we have to take each day and look at the positives for that day. And it's it's taking ourselves and we just need to... Uh, Turn it around. We have to, yeah. Yeah, we have to tweak it a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very well done. Yes, oh my thank, you, thank, thank you. Thank you. So thank yeah. you. And thank everybody for sharing and all your thoughts and questions and comments were very, very helpful. Thank you.